What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our new baseball and fantasy baseball content gets posted, whether it be podcasts, articles, different news and notes. All of the baseball content we got for you here at Sports Ethos does get posted out on that page. So make sure you're dropping a follow, you're supporting, and getting all of our new content that we post right when it is available to you. It's gone with Britton Allen. That has been our biggest success recently. We have dropped a new podcast, if you guys have not heard. It's gone. It is hosted by Britton Allen, who is a great friend. He released a new episode this morning featuring a guest, Richard Sands. You guys should definitely be checking that one out. It's already in your feed, so you guys definitely need to be going and subscribing to the It's Gone podcast. It is slowly becoming one of my favorite podcasts out there, and that is saying a lot because there are so many fantasy baseball shows, but Britton really does a great job. Show him some support. Go subscribe to his pod. Go check him out on Twitter, at Britton Allen. He does great work. But guys, today we are going to be continuing with starting pitcher ranks. We've gone through our first 20 pitchers on that list. Going to keep going today. Trying to go at a bit of a quicker pace as we keep going down this list because we've done 10 names each day. I've ended up rambling, as I'm known to do, but a little bit more so than I probably should have. I wanted to get through. I mean, going through 10 on the first day is fine. I think you can devote an episode of the top 10. I wanted to get through more yesterday, but I couldn't shut up. I just kept on rambling about my guys there through the 11 uh, through 20 range. So today we're going to try and get through a few more names. We're going to try and be more concise while also hitting the main points of my arguments for these players. So we're going to start at number 21. And if you guys did miss it, please do go check out the first couple of shows because we went through a lot of detail on those first 20 names. But number 21 here in terms of starting pitchers for me in 2023 is Mr. George Kirby of the Seattle Mariners. I like him a lot. Like He does not walk literally anybody. We've talked about this on the show a couple times. Most recently when we had Sam Wershing on when we did our Mariners preview, we were talking about his walk rate was 1.52 walks per nine innings. That was over 130 innings. If you just look at the raw uh, walk totals, he walked 22 batters over those 130 innings. That is elite. He's striking out a good number of batters. It's not blowing you away necessarily, 24% strikeout rate last year, 24.5. But when it comes to such a low walk rate, you are going to be in for a lot of success. George Kirby finished the season with a 339 ERA, and his pitching indicators were right in line with that, usually a little bit below the 331 XERA. He had a 299 FIP. Really good stuff out of George Kirby. He won eight games in his 25 starts, which probably is a little bit unlucky considering the Mariners were a very, very good team last year. And that should carry over in and then some into this season. I think the Mariners did get better. Good chance we could see them go for 90-ish wins, 90-plus wins. I think George Kirby is going to make somewhere in the 30-start neighborhood. He should be able to win 12, 13 games. Obviously, wins are very tricky when you're trying to project who's going to get how many. That's why generally the projections all kind of look 
relatively the same at the top for, for pitching wins, depending on where you look. But you're generally going to see everybody projected for at the, in the top tier anyway, between 12 and 14 wins. George Kirby is not projected for those numbers. He's usually looking at about 10 or 9 based on where you look for your projections. But I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be able to get back up there. Obviously, it's a very volatile stat. But considering the team that he plays on, the control that he has on the mound... I don't see him going for a single-digit win total again this season. Now, I mentioned the strikeouts. They're still above average. They're not going to be killing you at 24%. It's totally reasonable. In 130 innings last year, he struck out 133 batters. It's not like it's, you know, he's striking out four batters per nine innings or something. There's still a good quality, good quantity of strikeouts you're going to be getting with good ratios on a very good team. I think the Mariners truly, I, I, you know, I don't think they're going to win the division. That would be a, a, a tall task. But I think it's probably within the range of outcomes still, the way that Houston has lost Lance McCullers already for, I don't even know how long that's going to be necessarily. But, you know, their pitching is not as strong as it was last year. You could definitely make that argument, losing Verlander, losing McCullers for now. And I know McCullers wasn't there a hell of a lot last season. But there's probably some room for Seattle to sneak in there, at least into the wild card. I think that's that's for sure. But, I, you know, they could even surprise us and come and win the division, possibly. I wouldn't be projecting it. I wouldn't be betting money on it necessarily. But I think it's a possibility, and I think George Kirby is arguably the ace of that staff. You know, I'm I'm going with Luis Castillo ahead of him. He is the guy that I have ahead of my rankings. I think he is better, but, you know, George Kirby is truly an ace. Like, that is what he is going to be in this league. I think that he is going to be somebody who does get those strikeout numbers up. Maybe it won't be this season necessarily that it'll skyrocket, but I think we'll see something similar to what we saw in the minors and short stretches from him which is striking out more than 11 batters per nine innings while still having great control. Well, like, you know, we're talking small sample sizes, but in 2021 in A and double A, you know, he didn't play much in triple A it was just one start. His strikeout numbers were quite a bit higher. I think that we can still see them increase. And for that, not for that reason, but for all of those reasons, uh, George Kirby for me is the SP 21. And what I should be doing here, I'm going to take a look at the fantasy pros, uh, ECR while I'm doing this and just see where I am compared to the other rankers on the list because I honestly have no idea where everybody else stands in the ECR. I've uploaded my rankings. My rankings are a part of that over on Fantasy Pros at the moment, but it's not uh, something I've really looked at a lot so far this season. I kind of just put my own rankings in there and I uploaded them and that was it. I didn't really look too closely. I want to see where George Kirby is in the general consensus for starting pitchers. 32. Wow. I am the high man, apparently, on George Kirby having him at 21. I wouldn't have thought so. I would have thought that a lot of people would be in that same kind of range on him, but I guess I am a little bit higher than most, than some, than all, I, I guess, having him at 21. But it feels very reasonable to me. Maybe some people will look at the strikeouts and say, okay, I want somebody who strikes out more batters. But at this point of the draft, you know, there are still strikeouts, but you're going to be leaving a couple other things on the table, potentially. Uh, you know, there's, there's still well-rounded players, but I don't think that that's something that I'm going to be prioritizing necessarily at this point of the draft. Unless I took a couple of guys early on who do not have a ton of strikeouts, unless I took, you know, Alcantara and maybe like a Max Freed or something like that in my first couple of pitchers, then maybe you prioritize them more. I'm not at the point yet where I'd be prioritizing that in terms of just looking for one stat. I think Kirby does a lot of things. He still strikes out batters. Maybe that's where it's coming from. I'm really not sure, but let's keep it going. Let's talk about number 22 on my list, and that's Blake Snell, and another guy that I am the high man on here. According to Fantasy Pros, having Blake Snell at number 22 is apparently a hot take. 
you know, he's he's a tricky player to rank. He is someone where we know the upside is Cy Young winner. He did that for you, and he was absolutely brilliant in 2018. Over 180 innings, he won 21 games. He had a 189 ERA. You know, he was he was absolutely special. Now he hasn't been quite that good since, but he has definitely made strides, specifically last season, to get back there. And a lot of it is injury related. He has missed a lot of time. Okay, maybe not a lot of time, but every year he's kind of been missing, you know, 10, 8, 7 starts. This past season it was 24. In 2021, it was 27 starts. You know, I try to not look so much at particular portions of the season. You can say over this six-game stretch he did this, so, you know, second half of the year he did this. I don't really look at that so much, but something definitely clicked in Blake Snell in the second half. He had a 219 ERA he was only allowing a 209 batting average against. Like everything that he was doing in the second half was a massive increase over the first half. If you look at the strikeout rate, it went from 29 to 33. The walk rate in the first half was almost 14%. He cut it down to 6%. He was really, really special in that second half. And I think that we can see him kind of carry that over. The expected numbers, the pitching indicators were very much in line with what he was doing. 223 FIP in the second half, 273 XFIP. I think that Blake Snell definitely does have some risk associated with him. But when you factor in the team context, and he could be pitching for the best team in baseball this year, I wouldn't be shocked if, if San Diego does end up being the best team in all of baseball. The wins should be there, assuming health. And a lot of the projections are calling for 150-ish innings out of him. I think we can see 140, 150 innings where he's giving you great wins, where he is giving you elite strikeouts. And that is a huge thing, even though I just said a second ago, don't look strictly at strikeouts, but when it's one of the pieces of the equation that they do well, you know, he's a plus 30% K rate guy every year going back to 2018. He's going to strike out a lot of batters. It might come at the expense of your whip a little bit because he does walk a lot of batters on the other side of that coin. 120, 132, 120 these last couple of seasons. But still, I don't feel like he has properly been able to get back to 2018 for whatever reason. And I think that he really honestly did in the second half of last season. We saw that truly special Blake Snell come back. I think that we could see a, a really special season out of him. I don't know that we're going to see him necessarily surpass this. Maybe it is a touch high, but I don't. looking at the guys below Shane, uh, Blake Snell, in my particular rankings, I don't know that I'd really want to push up anybody above him. There are some guys who might be a touch safer, maybe. But I think when you look at the upside of Snell and considering the team context, everything that he does right for you, I'm really in. Even with the horrible first half he had last year, it was still a 338 ERA. He still returned great value. I think that we could see that potentially, hopefully, over a course of a full season. That's what I'm banking on with this ranking. And I think Blake Snell, deservedly, is, is my number 22 starting pitcher. Now, 23, I have Framber Valdez. I'm actually right in line with the ECR there. He is number 23 based on all the different rankers at Fantasy Pros. Framber Valdez last season had more quality starts, I think, than maybe anybody ever has. I think it was like pretty much every single start he had all season were quality starts. I wonder if they, do they show them here on Fangraphs, the quality starts? I'm not sure if they have that as a, as a stat here, but it was something like 27, 28 quality starts over the course of 31 games. I think it was every start from late April until early September, mid-September. Like, he had a crazy run. 17-6 and six record over 201 innings with a 282 ERA. Didn't strike out as many batters as you might hope, 23%, but he's not a massive strikeout guy that is generally in line with where he's been. 
The walk rate, it was nice to see him get it down a little bit, still probably higher than you'd want, but at 8.1%, it got it into single digits for the first time in his career outside of the 2020 season, which is hard to kind of count. Even though he had 10 starts that year, it was only 70 innings. It's hard to really factor in 2020 stats a lot, but you know, I'm going to exclude it for the purpose of this, where he did have a 5.6% walk rate that year, but it was kind of unrealistically low for him, and I think it would have ballooned over the course of a full season, probably closer to where he was generally you know, performing in that range, probably 9-10%, but he got it back down to 8%. Strikeouts were not great, but at 23.5%, they're not horrible. He had 194 strikeouts in 201 innings, so he got you there based on the volume still. He still gave you close to 200 Ks. Again, the team context is very good. The team context is as good as it could possibly be, really, pitching for Houston. That's a common thread for a lot of guys that I have here ranked very highly on this list. Going back to the you know the last couple of days where the podcast, it's been a common theme of mine bringing up on the pod. Most of these guys are pitching for very good teams. You are going to give yourself a better chance as a whole. Obviously, it varies situation to situation. But as a whole, you draft pitchers on better teams, you're going to have a better chance at getting victories. It is not complicated calculus on that side. You take better pitchers. Valdez is a very solid pitcher on a very good team, albeit I'd like to have some more strikeouts probably. But considering everything else he does for you, giving you the great ERA, last year the whip was a little bit high at 1.16, but it's not like terribly high. It's just because that walk rate is a little bit elevated based on what you'd you know, prefer it to be. But I think it's still at 1.16. You'll take that whip. You'll take the ERA, which is probably going to be somewhere in the low threes. That's what I'd be projecting. And a boatload of wins. Like You could definitely see another 15-win season out of Valdez, strictly you know, removing him from the equation just because of the team he pitches on and because of how much he will be relied upon. He threw 200 innings last year. The lowest projection for him this season is 182 innings, with as high as 196 from Steamer. I think that we will see him get closer to 200. He'll get you those strikeouts based on the volume. The wins will be there. The ratio should be there. And it should be a good time drafting Framber Valdez. Now, next up, I'm probably going to be lower than most people on Shane Bieber. I am the lowest, actually, on Shane Bieber at number 24. I have some concerns. And I I really like Shane Bieber. Don't get me wrong. I just am not sure we're going to see him continue to dominate the way that he has. And it's a very tricky one when you look at these last couple of seasons, the way he has trended. It's not been good. Like his fastball, he's never been like a crazy, crazy high fastball velocity guy. He topped out in 2020 was his highest like velocity season uh, on average fastball velocity at 94. That went down to a tick below 93 in 2021. This past season, he was sitting 91. That's a concern. His cutter has also gone down in terms of velocity from 89 down to about 86, 87. The curveball from about 84 to 82. The changeup from 88 to 86. He is losing velocity across the board. He's had a history of shoulder trouble. That did keep him out a lot in 2021. The strikeout rate has gone down quite a bit, like precipitously over these last couple of seasons. In, his, in the short year where he completely broke out like crazy and won the Cy Young in 2020. He had a 41% K rate. 2021, albeit he only pitched, what was it, 16 times because he got hurt. That's about half a season. 33% K rate, still elite. Coming down from 41 is going to be, you know, predictable when you have a season that's that good. But he came back down again to 25% this season. The walk rate also came down, so he still had an above 20% K minus walk rate. 
but I don't like some of those trends that we are seeing with Shane Bieber. The shoulder problem, the fact that the velocity is going down, the strikeout's going down, and the strikeout's going down like a lot. They're not. It's not like a small, you know, thirty-two percent down to thirty percent. He's lost sixteen percent off his strikeout rate in two years, <clears throat> even just eight percent over the last year. That's massively concerning for me. Even though the results were there for him last season, and he pitched two hundred innings, thirty-one starts, two hundred innings. He had a two eighty-eight ERA. 287 FIP. The results were there. The stuff, pitching plus metrics, all the different fancy metrics now that are on fan graphs, pitching plus, stuff plus, location plus, and all, all those different ones seem to like him. Those metrics seem to say that the quality of the pitches are still good, but there is a lot that I don't like with Shane Bieber, the way he's trended these last couple of seasons. I don't know that we're going to see him give you another 200 innings. I always worry when there is any kind of underlying shoulder arm problems. It kept me out last season. I was wrong. I'm sticking with my guns. I'm still going to be out on Shane Bieber for this year, even though you know maybe he does give you another great season. It's totally possible. He's never really been bad before, but there's definitely some concerning signs there, and I don't really want to be the one taking him, paying the price for him, which let me take a look at his most recent ADP. ADP, you kind of have to be updating it every day at this point, the way that it changes. Where is Shane Bieber going right now? He's closing in on a top 50 pick. He's the 53rd player by ADP. Uh, right now, I'm looking at Rotowire Online Championships in the month of March. Let's narrow that down a little bit and just look at the last couple of days here from March 10th to March 15th. There have been 19 of those drafts. Shane Bieber is going, yep, still 53. Minimum of 44, maximum of 64. That's where high-stakes players in 12-team leagues are drafting him. I'm not really there personally at that price. I don't want to be the one who has to take him and risk the bad year. And I know that's that sounds really stupid, the way that that just came out. I don't want to be the one who has the potential anyway uh, to take Shane Bieber when he's still fairly expensive. He's not like all-time high price or anything, but he is still, you know, he's not cheap by any means. I don't know that I want to be the one paying that this year, especially with all the other things that I am concerned about with him. So, you know, I could be very wrong. He's never really been bad before, but I'm just not really trying to pay that price for him uh, this year. Let's keep it going with Clayton Kershaw. Where is Clayton Kershaw in the ECR? He's at 28. I have him at number 25. I'm a big big Clayton Kershaw fan in general. I think that even though you do run the risk again of losing out on some of the volume production, I think per game, he is still giving you amazing value. And the Dodgers, I don't think they're as good as they are being hyped up to be. I think I still see their win totals for season long over-unders at like 96, 97. I don't think they're getting there. I'd be going the under on that. I don't think they're going to get to the same heights. That being said, they're still going to be a very good team. They should win 90-plus games. Clayton Kershaw, even though I'm worried and probably expecting that he will miss 30, 40 innings throughout the season at least, probably get you 120, 130 of them, that per-inning value is going to be very, very high. And even just comparing it to a guy like Shane Bieber, you're still getting better strikeout numbers from Kershaw. You're still getting the better team context from Kershaw. So that one is kind of like a you could you could flip around either way. I don't have probably as much concern with injury with Shane Bieber. It's more so about the fact of the velocity being gone. There is some injury concern where with Kershaw you kind of just you know bank that in, factor that into your stats that he is going to probably only give you 120, 130 innings, but they are going to be of the utmost highest quality that is possible. Last year he was still giving you a 228 ERA. 
The strikeouts did come down a little bit from what we're used to from him, but not like crazy. These last couple of years, he's been around 26, 28%. He went up a little bit in 21, up to 29.5%, and then he came back down this year to 27.8%. But that's like one of those kind of small changes we talked about earlier that doesn't mean so much. 29.5 down to 27.8. It's not, not a big deal for me. I still like a lot of stuff that Clayton Kershaw can do, and I think that he is really, truly reasonably priced this year. He's going outside the top 100 and not even that close to it, really. He's like 113, 114. Sometimes he creeps into the top 100, but most of the time you're getting Clayton Kershaw like in the 10th round or beyond, and you're talking a 12-team league. And I think that at that price, you can't really go wrong. I've taken him a couple times this year. Even if he doesn't give me the entire season, I know that those 130 innings or so are still going to be of the utmost quality, and I can still bank on him for double-digit wins, great strikeout numbers, and everything else that goes along with rostering Clayton Kershaw. So I don't have a ton of concern, maybe a little bit, but overall uh, I'm still very much in on Clayton Kershaw. He's similar to the guys we talked about yesterday, Verlander and Scherzer. Oh, Scherzer, I guess, was the first day we talked about him. He does have some concern for sure in terms of you know the age, but I trust him at going out there. Like Ver, Ker, ah, Scherzer, Verlander, Kershaw, I trust them as long as they're telling us that their bodies are going to hold up. If they're going out there, if they're you know committing to a season and they're going out there and pitching, I know that it's going to be of a high quality. They're not going to give you a five plus ERA and then retire. It's not going to happen. They'll go out on a high note or at least a neutral note. And I think that Clayton Kershaw probably still has a couple of years left, but at this point, uh, I, I'm I'm very much still in on him outside of the top 100 picks. When he starts getting inside the top 100, then I start to, you know, get a little bit more nervous. But you know, even then, back end top 100, I could see it just based on the per game value that you are going to get out of him. Let's talk about his teammate Julio Urias. I'm probably the low man on him in terms of these rankings as well. Let me see where he is. No, I'm actually not. There's somebody who has him ranked at 32. Uh, I have him at number 26. You know, I, I feel like we're just going to see a big crash with Julio Urias this season. I don't think that we're going to see any anywhere near what we've seen these last two seasons. Really, um, he is not somebody who has crazy high strikeout numbers. His value these last couple of seasons has been buoyed by the fact that he has won a lot of games. He's won 37 games in two years. That's not realistic in today's MLB. I'm sorry, it's just not. I don't care who you're pitching for, how good you are. It's not realistic to see that year over year. It was a miracle he got back to 17 this season. The Dodgers did get a bit worse, and that will cut into the overall output that you'll see from him in terms of the victories. It'll probably be somewhere around 12 or 13. That would be what I would expect. And then where would his value be from last year if those 17 were were 12 or 13? It would be quite a bit lower. It would not be where he was, which is like a top, probably a top five or seven pitcher in terms of like the player raider. That was a huge piece of his value. You're not getting it from strikeouts with him. In fact, the strikeout rate went down a couple of points this season. Not a crazy big concern, but down from 26 to 24%. 26 is... You know, solidly, you're a solidly above average strikeout pitcher at 26%. 24, you're you're pretty average at that point. You know, uh, 25 is kind of the, the good line, the good cutoff line of, yes, this is a good K rate. Below it, you're kind of, and I'm not going to, you know, focus in so much on that. It's just one of the problems with Urias. There's going to be more contact this season that gets through 
because of the lack of shifts, guys who do strike out more batters are going to be inherently more valuable. And Urias is not somebody that you can bank on for massive K numbers. You know, it was 175 innings this past season. It was 166 Ks. He's getting drafted very, very high up. And, you know, maybe you'll make point to his ERA these last couple of seasons and say 296, 216. Eh, the pitching indicators are a lot higher, especially the FIP this past season was 371. You're talking about like a run and a half difference between the ERA and the FIP. If you look at the Sierra, it was 366. A lot of people point to Sierra as being probably the most accurate of the different ERA indicators. I think that I prefer FIP. It's close. But either or, you're looking at some serious regression that should be coming for Urias. If you guys want to go listen to a good discussion about it, a couple weeks ago I had Matty Wood, Matthew Davis on from the FTN Fantasy Baseball Podcast, and we had a Dodger. We did a Dodgers preview. We talked about Urias at length, and we kind of debated him. He talked me into him a little bit more than I would have been before the conversation, but he's still not somebody that I can be taking. The price, I think, on Urias is crazy. He's going as a top 50 pick a lot of the time. ADP is 53. I'm going to be out on him. I'm not going to have any shares because of where I have him ranked. A lot of people will have him ranked higher, and I think by ECR he is uh, 15. He is the 15th based on all the different experts ranking at fantasy pros. I I kind of hate to say that because I know I'm not like an expert, but in terms of the expert consensus rankings, he is number 15. I, I don't see him having value there. I do not see him returning that end of season value as being a top 15 starting pitcher again. He's done it the last couple of seasons. He could prove me wrong, but I don't want to pay to find out at this point. Now the next one, there's no not much I can really say until we know more about him. This is kind of a placeholder ranking for him right now, and it's Carlos Rodon. I really didn't know where exactly to put him after he got hurt uh, in the ECR. He is currently 19. The high ranking on him is number five, probably somebody who hasn't updated it in a little while, and the low ranking on Carlos Rodon is number 54. I don't know. I, I really don't know the severity. I, I, I'm going to check Twitter right now to see if there's any kind of update because I'm kind of just holding my breath for any kind of injury update on Rodon. I don't know what to expect. I let me, let me just see if there's anything anything else that's come out about him today. Um, I don't think there's much. Let me take a look. There's an article here that the Yankees, like New Jersey, kind of some kind of Yankee website has put out. Uh, Rodon was in the clubhouse. He, he made a beeline for the back room. Um, doesn't That's not really much of an update. He's rehabbing the forearm muscle strain. It's apparently going well. Medical clearance to be uh, resumed throwing. That'll be the next step for him. He said apparently... If it was the regular season, if it was like an important game, this isn't from the article I'm reading right now, but he apparently said that if it was like a, a you know, win or go home kind of game or an important kind of game to be pitching in, then he would be out there. I don't know necessarily if that's true or not. I don't know where we stand if that's just trying to appease the public. You know, the New York media is not exactly forgiving, even if it's an injury. Maybe he's just trying to keep them off his back, not trying to deal with a lot of speculation. I don't know. Right now I have him here. It felt right. I don't know how else to say it other than it kind of felt like a justified ranking of him at 27. As of right now, maybe I'd take him, you know, ahead of Urias, but I I don't really know. The, uh, the honest answer at this point is I don't know. 
and you probably shouldn't be drafting him. I mean, it depends really where he's going. Let me take a look at that ADP for these last, you know, it's the last five days. Wonder where Carlos Rodon is going. And it's probably fallen quite a bit. I'm going to have to, like, he's not at the top anymore. I'm going to have to, like, search by Yankees to see exactly where he's going. I would guess it's about pick 100. It's literally 100. Wow. ADP is literally 100 over the last five days. The minimum pick is 56. The maximum is 179. I think at that range, it might still be a little bit too expensive for me. I'd pick 100. I I think there's a lot of worry with arm strains in general with a forearm. Apparently, the UCL is fine. It shouldn't be Tommy John coming here, but there's it's not looking that promising as of right now, as far as I see it. Like I love Rodon. He was my number four starting pitcher, number four. When I first did, not when I first did, like my recent rankings before he got hurt, it was Burns, McClanahan, Cole, and then Rodon. Everybody else kind of got moved up one spot because he went down so far. I don't know that pick 100 is reasonable enough in terms of a draft price for me to want to take a chance on going into the year and missing a month or two months and then having, you know, being told it is Tommy John and he's done. Like, I just don't really know if I want to go through that at pick 100. If you're getting him at the max pick at 179, then yes. I think at that point it is worth it. Because at 179 in that range, you're kind of past the great range of starting pitchers. I mean, you can get guys who have upside. You can get Reed Detmers. You can get Hunter Brown. You can get Kodai Senga, Brady Singer, Patrick Sandoval. I think you'd still have to probably take Rodon over. Um, You know, kind of an interesting one. As of right now, Grayson Rodriguez or Carlos Rodon. I'm going to make a poll out on Twitter as as I'm doing this, as I'm recording, and I never do this. Um... And I'm just going to see where people are on on these pitchers at the moment because it's kind of interesting. I'm not sure if I would rather have Rodon or Grayson Rodriguez for this upcoming season. It is kind of a tricky one. I, I have him ranked ahead of him at the moment, and I think based on my own just thought process while I've been talking here, I think I am probably going to have to move Carlos Rodon down. I'm not going to move Grayson Rodriguez up because of that comparison, but I think Rodon will probably have to be moved even farther down. Let me just quickly send out this poll as of now who you got for 2023. And I will see who the people are going to go with here. I'm really not sure. I probably would go Rodon. But I, I'm kind of interested to see what the public has to say on this one. So I've just tweeted it out. I'm going to see what the people are saying. As of right now, I'm probably out based on the draft price, which is unfortunate because I am such a huge Rodon guy. But unless he keeps falling and falling, I don't know that I really want to go into the year drafting an injured Carlos Rodon. I don't know if that's really something that I want to be doing. We'll have to wait for more updates, and I will update my rankings before the season starts. But at the same time, I don't really want to be drafting him right now just because of the price. Sorry for the kind of meandering thought process there. I just He's a very tricky one to rank. He was tricky to rank before the season. Now there's just further added complication to it but let's move on let's talk about number 28 for me and that's logan webb logan webb has been pretty consistent i'm going to see where he is in terms of the overall pitcher rankings he's at 29 i am at 28 you know we're we're pretty closely aligned there myself and the rest of fantasy pros i don't like the strikeout numbers but everything else that he does is pretty damn consistent he is able to get batters out even if it's not through striking out batters. i mean he went from 26 percent k rate down to 20 
that's kind of concerning, but a lot of the projections do think he'll get back up a little bit, 21.3%. That's what, uh, what is that? That's the Fangraphs depth chart projections. Zips is calling for uh, 22%. He could get back up a little bit there. There is some concern in that specific regard, but in terms of the actual results, he gave you a 290 ERA. All the indicators are right in line there, 303 FIP, 331 XFIP. Everything else looks pretty all right. I mean, the strikeouts are the huge thing, but at the end of the day, he's not walking a lot of batters. He has won a lot of games these last couple of seasons, 26, which maybe will inflate the value a little bit, but I think in general, he's somebody who goes pretty deep into games. The Giants are not bad. They're not great, but you know, I don't think he'll get 15 wins necessarily, but 12, 13 wins, you do get consistency out of him. You get good, solid whip numbers these last couple of seasons, 111, 116. Maybe 116 is a touch higher than you'd like. But at this range, I think that Logan Webb is a pretty reasonably priced guy to be taking in draft so far this year. I think where he is going, you're getting a pretty decent value. Like You don't have to be reaching so much around pick 120. That's generally where he's been going recently. You build up more of a foundation of strikeouts earlier on, then Logan Webb makes a lot of sense to take. And that's the, we try to get into this a little bit in the first uh, pitching rankings episode I did. Team build is very important for who you want to take in which situation. If you took guys, like I mentioned earlier, if you took Alcantara and Max Fried and then you go for Logan Webb, it's probably not going to go so well in terms of strikeouts for you. There's not a lot of upside there in terms of those guys. If you're going to start your draft with guys who have, you know, Massive strikeout numbers, DeGroms, Otanis, McClanahan's, those kinds of players, Corbin Burns. If you get one of those guys who strike a, strikes out a lot of batters, Spencer Strider, then you know it, it does make sense to go with a Logan Webb to kind of just give yourself a little bit of stability in terms of your ratios, giving you probably decent win production. I don't think it'll be crazy, but I think it should be decent. I think he's just pretty solid. Overall, he's a very sturdy pitcher. I don't know that he is going to be an ace necessarily, but I do think that overall, he is a very solid draft pick. I'm, and I mean ace for fantasy. Like, he probably is the ace in San Francisco at this point. In terms of fantasy, I don't know that he's going to be like an SP1 for you, but he can be a very solid SP2 or SP3, just kind of flying under the radar. He's not somebody that's going to blow you away necessarily, but I think that he is somebody who is kind of sneakily pretty valuable. Um, let's keep it going, though, with number 29, U Darvish. Maybe a little bit lower than consensus. He is number 22 based on the ECR over at Fantasy Pros. I am not totally sold. I like a lot of things that Yu Darvish is doing. Last year, I thought he was totally cooked to start the season. The strikeout rate fell, and then he eventually got it back up. It was still, still dropped. And, you know, it was better over the second half, but he ended up striking out 25% of batters over the course of the season. Very rarely has he ever been below... 30% K rate. It was the first time he'd ever struck out less than 10 batters per nine innings. It was down at 9.11 now. That also came with a very low walk rate. He got the walk rate down to 4.8%, which was almost a career high for him. I'm just a little bit worried at this age of his career, at this point of his career, how much more he has. Like, you know, with guys like Scherzer and Verlander and, you know, Clayton Kershaw, they're in a different stratosphere to you, Darvish. As good as you, Darvish, is, I feel like those other guys are otherworldly talents. You, Darvish, is a very good pitcher. He's coming off of probably, arguably, maybe his best season in spite of the strikeouts being so low. In terms of the wins, it was tied for his highest win total at 16. The ERA was at 310, which was not quite 
quite his lowest, but it was right in line. I mean, 2020, you kind of got to take that away where he had a 201 ERA. The lowest ERA he's ever had prior was in 2013, back when he was with the Rangers, still it was 283. This was arguably the best production we've ever seen from you, Darvish. I don't necessarily know if we're going to see you, Darvish, continue to do this for another season. I think where the strikeout rate goes down, it's definitely telling in some way. The velocity was still pretty good, but when you start losing that main ability, and that's been like his calling card for his career, he strikes out a lot, a lot of batters. And that's always been the main piece of his fantasy value is his strikeout ability. Wins have kind of been hit and miss for him over the years. There's been years where he's had six, eight, eight, seven, you know, pitching for some bad Cubs teams. The strikeouts are what carried him for for value. And yes, he is on a good team this year. He will win probably 12, 13, 14 games. I just don't know if it's going to come with the other stats that you're hoping for. I don't know if the ERA is going to be necessarily where it was again. The whip has been very good these last couple of seasons, but I think at his age, you really start having to look, especially because he is not one of those, you know, Hall of Fame type pitchers. Because I do look at them differently in terms of the overall context and in terms of just this year context. I think there's another gear those guys have that players like you, Darvish, don't. And I'll trust those guys as they enter their later 30s. But, you know, you Darvish can be 37 this season. Is he still going to be able to, to get it up there, 95, 96? I hope so, but I don't necessarily know. And that's why I've ranked him a little more conservatively than most of the people have here in their ranking. So I think I actually am the low man on you Darvish again. I am, yeah, I'm at, I am at 29. I just don't really want to have anything to do with him for this season honestly like I don't think he's unreasonably priced or anything I think he's going let me just take a look here and see because it changes so frequently these draft prices he is going at 71 over the last couple of drafts the last 20 drafts I should say that's maybe a little high for me I don't know that I'd necessarily want to be going from there that does seem really high I think he has gone up a little bit let me see in draft champions if he's going that high he is, yeah. That's just kind of the price for him at this point in the 70s. I don't really want to be paying it. I could be wrong. He's one of those guys where I'm kind of nervous about this particular pick because he could end up being better than this, but I don't see him being a lot better than this. If I'm wrong, I don't think I'll be wrong by much. Like Maybe he's a borderline top 25 pitcher, but I, I don't know necessarily that he will be a top 25 pitcher. I'm... I'm kind of out. I, the price is really what dictates it to me. At 71, it just feels a little bit too rich for my liking. That's why, I, not that's why necessarily, but I do have him lower in my rankings. And I do think that he is probably somebody that you should be avoiding at cost for this season. Let's keep it going. Let's talk about number 30 on the list. That is Nestor Cortez. Now, he is currently dealing with something. I forget what it was exactly. He might have to be adjusted a little bit on this list. Um, it was there was some. I don't think it was like a serious problem, but he had something. It was yeah, it was a hamstring, and that was a month ago. Uh, he wasn't going to be ready for the World Baseball Classic. He should be ready to start the season. Apparently, according to Fancy Pros, there's just an article here. He will be the fifth starter for the team. Uh, this is. Just from last week, I mean, maybe now he probably won't because of the injuries that have gone down. Uh, but that's kind of funny that that's where we were about a week ago on Nestor Cortez. You know, he was somebody this coming or last coming season, I should say. I was a little bit out on. I was a little bit nervous about him, but he kind of proved it to us. Like 2021, I wasn't sure if that was going to be 
legitimate or not. It was 93 innings where he did give you a sub-3 ERA. The indicators were a little bit high. I wasn't sure if we could really trust what we were seeing. Best strikeout rate we've seen from him at that point. And he carried it over. And, you know, good for him. He did it over the course of a full season. 158 innings. He had 12 victories. Give you a 244 ERA. The strikeout rate came down a touch from where it was in 21, but only 1%. The walk rate was just about the same as well. Everything was pretty in line with what he did. He lowered his whip. He lowered his ERA, though. Like he, he really excelled in 2022, where he did in 21, but I don't know if people were really buying into it because of it was a small sample size. Let's see where the rest of the people have Nestor Cortez ranked right at 30. That's good to see. Someone has him as their 50th SP. That feels a little bit low. I don't know that I want would want to be putting him that low necessarily. I definitely wouldn't be putting him that low. But I, I can understand maybe why people are still a little bit nervous. They don't trust it for sure. He wasn't somebody who had like a ton of minor league hype. I don't think anyway. I don't think I'm not the biggest prospect guy, but I don't think there was a ton of Nestor Cortez hype coming through the minors, if any. I understand there being some nerves, you know, but at the same time, he's done it for two straight years now. He's giving you good strikeout numbers. They're not blowing you away, but they're good, solid 26% K rate, not walking a lot of batters. He had a whip that was 0.92 last year. I think that he makes for a pretty interesting target. He's not somebody that people are really jumping to draft I, I think that it all comes back to just people not being totally sure if it's going to be real or not but at 133 he's going to pick 133 on average I think that that is a really reasonable price to be paying um, for him for Nestor Cortez so I would be going and drafting him at that rate I think that he fits a lot of different builds I think that he's giving you a little bit of value across the board kind of everywhere and I'm you know, I, he's one of the guys that I'm in on for this season. The more I look at him, the more I do like him. So go get yourself some nasty Nestor. I think that we should see another year of very solid value. Whether it'll be a 2-5 ERA, I'm thinking probably not. But, you know, somewhere in the high twos, low threes, good strikeout numbers, good, relatively good team context for wins. I got, there's a lot to like with Nestor. So I have him there at number 30. Number 31, Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray definitely was never going to be as good as he was in 2021. That was a stupid year. He stranded over 90% of his base runners. The BABIP he allowed was 268, which is just about a career low. He's typically over 300 for BABIP. Not like crazy high over 300, but around 300. His career pace is 302. That was a crazy year he was never going to be able to repeat. But he still gave you a good season this past year. He won 12 games for you. He still pitched 189 innings, 32 starts. Strikeout rate came down, and that was always probably going to happen. But it was still 27%. It wasn't 32 from the year prior. But that was a miracle year where Robbie Ray literally won the Cy Young. It's still hard to fathom, as a Blue Jay fan, that Robbie Ray won a Cy Young award in, ba- in Major League Baseball. It's, it's crazy after the way he started his tenure here, after the way that he you know, kind of bounced around Arizona. He, was like, you know, he had a good year in 2017, and that was kind of it for him. I don't know what happened, but you know something happened in Toronto that was very was very lucky for everybody involved, uh, and he won the Cy Young. It was never going to happen again, but he was still very good this past season. He wasn't hurting you anywhere. He was overdrafted because coming off of a Cy Young year, you're going to be overdrafted. But at the same time, he still gave you 12 victories. He still gave you, what was it, 212 strikeouts. Like That's still very solid, 371 ERA. 
Is it as good as you were hoping for? Absolutely not. But I, I, you know, he was someone that you were kind of bound to be disappointed on. Uh, Robbie Ray is number 25 in the Fantasy Pros ECR. I guess I am a little bit lower on consensus than him. There's nothing like that I'm staying away from here. I think that he is another solid member of that Seattle rotation that you can be targeting. He's going just inside the top 100 picks. Usually, maybe it's a little bit steep. Like He's going in the same range as George Kirby there. I would take George Kirby. I think that he is a safer pick. I think there's not as much volatility with him, especially in terms of your walks, because Robbie Ray, historically, like he's had some walk rates that are above 10%, like fairly regularly. His walk rate for the career is still 9.9%. There is still a lot of volatility pitch by pitch with Robbie Ray. I think that he is a very, very solid SP3-ish kind of guy for you this year, SP2, SP3. I think that is where he fits in, and I think that overall – it might be a little bit rich, but you're getting massive strikeouts on a very good team. We could see him get back, not even get back. Well, yeah, he did have 15 wins one time. We could see him get back to that total. Could see, or we will see, great strikeout numbers. It's just a matter of if the ERA is going to be mid threes or if it's going to be high threes, mid fours. I think that mid fours is worst case scenario for his ERA. I think that you know at that price, though, it's probably a fairly small chance that that is going to happen. I would be willing to take it you know, late late part of the top 100 I would be willing to draft Robbie Ray and I think that a lot of people probably would be he's not my favorite pick in that range of pitchers but I think I'd still be willing to draft him next up we got Lance Lynn you want to talk about somebody who did flourish once they got their shit together last season that was Lance Lynn now he started off horribly and you know I don't like to look like I've said a few times just specifically at second half stats because I feel like you know there's such a long layoff in the offseason anyway that I don't know that it really does so much for you when you just look at, you know, he did this over his last four starts, over his last five starts or whatever. You know, they're sitting for six months. A lot can happen mentally, physically in those in that time. They don't always, usually don't carry that kind of production over. Um, but Lance Lynn last season, he started off absolutely dreadful, absolutely shitful. And then once he figured it out, he was lights out over his last several weeks of the year there was okay there was a bad start in there against minnesota for the most part over those last few weeks of the season he was very very good eight strikeouts eight strikeouts 11 strikeouts seven strikeouts you know going six seven innings allowing only one run a lot of the time that one start against minnesota second last start of the year kind of a blemish there in terms of what he did but other than that even that four earned runs over five innings it's not going to kill you it was kind of one not great start, but he definitely got a lot better once he came back and really was properly ramped up last season. I think that he is probably somebody, let me just take a look at the price. I just want to be quoting accurate ADPs because I know that they are changing so rapidly at this time of year. Uh, he is going 129. I think that's a good price. I really do think it's a good price for him. I think the White Sox are going to be a lot better. Talked about that. That's been one of my main talking points this offseason. That he will, or not not he will, that they will be better without Tony LaRusa. I think it's a whole different environment there. I think that the whole team will do better than they did last season. I think we're gonna see double digit victories from him. Should still see very good strikeout numbers. He's generally still giving you good K's these last couple of years. And last year was, you know, just about 25% K rate. Previously, previous years, 27, 25, 28. Historically, though, he is a 24% K rate guy. It's right in line with the average. The walk rate was what really shined for him last year, 3.7%. He needs to be able to carry that over or some version of that. It might not be exactly that, 
But 121 innings, he walked 19 batters. That was something that was very good to see out of him. Not that he was a horrible walk rate guy for his career, but you know, higher earlier in his career for sure. He's definitely worked on the control over the years. And it's something that you can kind of bank on a little bit at this point, that he is going to have pretty good control. I think the whips should be pretty good. You know, it was 113 last year, and that was a three-year high for him, 106 and 107 over the last two seasons before that. I like Lance Lynn. I think the price is very reasonable. And I think that I'm probably generally in line with the consensus on him. Let's see where he is going by Fantasy Pros ADP. 37 uh, is his ranking based on all starting pitchers there. Seems pretty reasonable. I'm a touch higher, but it does seem like a pretty reasonable price to be paying for Lance Lynn at the same time. Nothing that would keep me away from drafting him. Now, I got Logan Gilbert at 33. I wonder where he is on this particular. He's actually at 33, too, exactly. It's funny. It feels like I've been like right on or I've been like setting the, setting the max on the ranking here for these guys. But Logan Gilbert, I am right there with them as the 33rd SP. I think that he is like a solid SP3 in a 15-teamer. He's probably closer to like your SP3 slash 4 in a 12-teamer, I think. He was very good last season. He won 13 games over 185 innings. Strikeouts were all right. You know, they weren't great, but I think there's room for them to improve. We definitely saw better strikeout numbers in the minors. Got to remember, you're talking about a guy who wasn't a rookie, but it really did feel like Logan Gilbert was a rookie. Those, you know, in 2021, 119 innings. I don't know. It didn't feel like he was really on the scene yet at that point, even though he was. I don't know. Maybe it's just in my own head that kind of Mariners pitching class all seemed to, not all of them, but it seemed like him and Kirby kind of. I guess they didn't come up together, but it felt like they did. Um, but he was he was good last season. Like he was giving you a 320 ERA. He gave you, I think it was a pretty solid whip, 118. Definitely will take that. He was not expensive last year. He's not terribly expensive this year, really. Like he is generally going 120, I think. Let me take a look at the ADP data here. I think 120-ish, 113 is where he's going. I think it's reasonable. You know, I think that he is somebody where I don't project that he's going to smash through the ADP, but I think it's a, it's a reasonable price to be paying for him. He's somebody where I'm not, like, massively big on him. I think that he is fine. I think he is clearly the fourth best pitcher in that rotation, and whether he'll be seen as that, I don't know. He'll, he'll probably be better than Robbie Ray within a couple of years. Ray is on the later end of his career where Gilbert's just starting out. As of right now, I think he's the fourth best guy in that rotation. I wouldn't be necessarily targeting him, but I think the price is reasonable depending on how you build your team. Again, you need to kind of ensure strikeouts earlier on or later on if you do take Gilbert. Not giving you a crazy high number, 22-23% K rate, but you know, good team context. Again, stop if you've heard this one before. Good team context. He's going to give you at least average strikeout numbers. They're not horrible. They'll like You'll be able to get by. Last year was 185 innings. He had 174 Ks. Not ideal, but you can kind of get by if you build your team the right way. I think that overall the price is, is fairly reasonable for him. Not you know, running out of my way to go and grab him. But I think if it gets to that point and there's nobody that you're really preferring, and I think in that range, do I really prefer guys? I do personally, but everybody has their own kind of ideas about where to go with drafts. If you're in that range and he's the guy that you like, I wouldn't be not taking him. I think that he is totally reasonable there going around the 110, 115 uh, kind of pick mark. I do like him. I think that he is not as good as the other Seattle starters, and that's the best way I can put it. He's still great, and, I mean, hell, 
They have four starters in the top 33 here. That's very, very, very good. I just think that he, unfortunately, is not the best option to be targeting. If you're going for a piece of that rotation, I think that he is he's still fine. Uh, it probably doesn't sound like I like him very much, but I, I do like Logan Gilbert. I think that he is I think he's very good, and I think he'll probably get better. Whether we'll see the strikeouts get better, I don't know if it'll be this year. It should happen eventually. Um, but as of right now, you know, I, I'm kind of like looking at it, and I'm kind of almost like changing my mind a little bit. I don't know that I love the price. I think it's fine. Again, I'm not reaching to go and grab him. I wouldn't take him inside the top 100 picks or anything. Like I think he's, I think he's okay. Um, I kind of sometimes I do this. If you guys are new to the show, you're probably thinking, "What the hell is this guy talking about? What's this guy going on about?" I don't always come in here with my fully formed thought process. Sometimes I will just talk it out with you guys while I'm doing a podcast. Sometimes I'll just walk through my own mentality on different players. Gilbert, as I've just been kind of looking at his numbers here and talking it out loud, maybe I push him down a spot or two. I think he's fine still, but I think it's the price. I think it's the price that's... uh, I keep going back and forth. I think it's fine. But don't do not take him in the top 100. I don't think there's any need to be reaching up for him, at least not that much. But let's keep it going. I spent a lot of time on him. I think he's fine. I think he's fine, guys. <laughs> but let's talk about the next guy up, and that's Jesus Lazardo. I am not a huge Lazardo fan, but I do think that what we saw last year when he was on can probably be replicated, whether it's over the course of a whole season or whether he can do, you know. 120, 30 innings. Like, I don't know if it's going to be a full, full season. Uh, but what we saw last year when he was on, with 332 ERA, the pitching indicators all line up with that. We saw really good strikeout numbers from him, 30% K rate. Walk rate, maybe a touch high at 8.8%, but you will take it with that strikeout rate, especially when it came with a 1.04 whip. And that, in large part, was due to the low batting average he allowed, which was sub 200 did come with a low BABIP, so that's something to definitely keep an eye on. The 253 BABIP he allowed last year probably goes up a little bit. Probably see that average go up. Probably see that whip go up. I don't know if it's going to go up to where they're projecting, which is like 130. But I think like 115 probably is what you're going to see out of him. I am, let me see where I am comparatively speaking to the other people. Probably a little bit lower, I would imagine. Um, Jesus Lazardo is, wow, he's 49th in terms of the rankings by everybody on Fantasy Pros. That feels too low. He is behind Giolito. They have him behind Sale. They have him behind Jordan Montgomery. I think that feels a little bit too harsh for him. When he was on last season, like he was very much on. The team context is not great, but you're getting solid, solidly above average strike. Like, no, you're getting like elite strikeout numbers at 30%. You're getting probably decent enough ratios. The projections, the worst ERA projection is 4-1-3. That comes from the bat. Everywhere else has them for a sub-4 ERA. With those similarly good strikeout numbers, again, the wins are going to be where you kind of are held back a bit. Probably going to be high-end, single-digit, low-end, double-digit, like you know between 9 and 11 victories, which will, might hold you back a little bit there. I think that he is somebody where you can target because the price is is pretty reasonable. I'm just going to make sure it hasn't changed too much, so I'm not talking on my ass, but 141 is the price on Jesus Lazardo. I think that at that point, it's a good bargain. You're getting him a few rounds below the other guy, the, like the big pitching cluster that's going around pick 100, between like 100 and 120, 125. You might be able to get him around later than those other guys and still get, you know, 
upside, massive upside level kind of production from him. I don't know that he's going to do it, but he could hop into the top 20 this year. He could be a top 20 pitcher. It wouldn't shock me. I think that he has that in him. Whether he'll do it or not, I'm not 100% sure, but I'd, it's definitely there with the skill set. The team context might hold him back a little bit, but I think overall uh, he's still going to be somebody that I am targeting because the price is just so reasonable. Let's do one more, guys. We will wrap it up with number 35. That is Kyle Wright. Now, Kyle Wright, somebody that kind of burst onto the scene last year, and he won 20 games, which was obviously massive. I don't think anybody was expecting that. Nobody's ever expecting that. But he won 21 games, 21 and 5, and he'd been around. I shouldn't say burst onto the scene, but you know he'd been kind of a spot starter, fill-in guy. Like He debuted in 2018, believe it or not. I actually didn't realize he'd been around that long. But you were talking zero starts in 2018, four starts in 19. He started eight games in 2020, started two games in 21. This past season... He went 21 and 5 over his 30 starts, over 180 innings. He gave you a 3.19 ERA. All the indicators pretty good. 3.89 xERA, 3.58 FIP. Those numbers were pretty good. Left on base percentage, BABIP numbers were fairly regular. 2.84 BABIP, 78% left on base, which is maybe a touch high. But at the end of the day, you're getting somebody who is pitching for. Again, an argument could be made for the best team in baseball for Atlanta. He's going to be in that rotation, absolutely solidified spot in that rotation. And you could see probably not 20 wins again, but 15, I could definitely see. He's not giving you massive strikeout numbers, but if you look at the previous couple of years where he had been just spot starting, there was a couple of relief appearances in there. He was not striking out really anybody, and his walk rates were absolutely abysmal. We're talking 17% K rate to a 21% walk rate. Like his K minus walk was negative for his first season. And then, 2019, it went to 19% strikeout rate and a 14% walk rate. 17% K rate, 14% walk rate. And then he did it again in 21, 17% K rate and a 14.3% walk rate. Again, these are over very small sample sizes, but he was consistently showing at every opportunity in the majors that he was not demonstrating proper control or the ability to strike batters out. Last year, 23% strikeout rate, 7.2% walk rate. That K minus walk percentage went from five to three to three up to 16%. Kyle Wright is somebody that is not terribly expensive, who is pitching for a great team, who has made massive strides in his own pitching development these last couple of seasons that you can get close to pick 150. 147 is his ADP. This is kind of funny. Just within the last 19 drafts, 19 drafts is really a small sample size. His minimum pick is 93. His maximum is 227. Unless I've missed something with an injury or something. I don't know why he would be going that late in drafts, 227. I'm just going to quickly double check here and see if there's any news on Twitter or something. I haven't heard that there's an injury. No, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything. I think that he just fell in that particular draft for whatever reason. He is somebody that you should be targeting. If, he's, if you're getting him after pick 200, then there's no question he's a massive value. But even if you're getting him in the 150 range, Kyle Wright, again, one of the best teams, if not the best team in baseball, he's made massive strides with his repertoire in terms of his control and his strikeout numbers. Nothing he did last year seems terribly unrepeatable. Everything seems to be pretty in line with what he did. The indicators are good. Kyle Wright is there for you. 
sitting in the 150 range. Let me see where he is based on these rankings. He is 35. That is perfect. We finish off right in line. Again, sometimes I've been higher or lower than consensus. There's some players that I'm much higher or lower than consensus on, but it's good to see uh, hitting right on the nose with some of these guys in terms of the way that other people are viewing them. There were some that I am an outlier on. George Kirby, I am the highest on. Snell, I'm the highest on. Bieber, I'm the lowest on. Darvish, I'm the lowest on. Overall, though, I think it's pretty reasonable list. I mean, I compiled the list. Of course, I'm going to be I'm going to be thinking that, but I don't think I was too crazy with anything in terms of my rankings. I think that it's all you know, there's room for interpretation here and there. You like this guy better than that guy, you hate this park, you hate that lineup, whatever. Understandable, but I think overall this is a pretty reasonable list up to this point. Anyway, the top 35, we are going to continue tomorrow. We'll do 36 through 50 tomorrow, and then we'll probably do Friday. We'll just talk about the whole latter half of the top 100. The team previews are something I'm still thinking about. We have a couple left. I don't know that I'm going to necessarily do them on the podcast. I might do you know some write-ups on Twitter or something as opposed to doing them. I might do a couple more. I'm still kind of torn, guys, because there's a couple weeks until the season starts. I don't know that specific team previews are really the content you guys want to be seeing right now necessarily. Let me know. On Twitter, at JoeOrico99, we've previewed, I think, 23 teams. We've talked about every player in the player pool at one point or another. I don't know that necessarily spending seven more shows out of the 15 or so that we have left before the year starts, or if it's probably not even 15. It's well, Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We have like 10 shows before the season starts. I don't know that I necessarily want to be taking them up with team preview. So I might just say... You know, to hell with the rest of them. If you guys have questions regarding any specific teams or players that I haven't done, then I'm always available by DM at JoeOrico99. But I just don't know that it makes sense to do them on the pod. And that does come back to me. That is my fault. This is my first year doing the show. I thought I would have had more time for content and more time for the stuff I wanted to do. But I kind of messed up in terms of scheduling it. That will be better next year. And my apologies there. I know it looks really professional. It's just, you know... <laughs> This is a part-time thing that I do. It's my first time doing it. I wasn't properly prepared for how quick the off-season was going to go by, in all honesty. When the off-season first started, I was thinking, oh, shit. I have to fill six months of shows, and I do not have one baseball game in that time to talk about. And now I'm here wishing that there was another three weeks on the off-season. But that's just the part of the learning process. It's been a lot of fun being in the industry this last year, doing what I've been doing. And I couldn't have done it without the support of you guys. So I really appreciate that. I want to say thank you once again to everybody who has followed over on Twitter, who has downloaded the show, subscribed to the show, left a rating and review. All of that stuff really means a lot, and I truly appreciate it. If you guys haven't done so already, I'd really appreciate you guys leaving a review at the bottom of the page, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple, anywhere that allows ratings and reviews. We'd really appreciate you guys letting us know what you think. But let me know, again, what you think of the show whether it's there or on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. Ethos Fantasy BB is where you find all the baseball, fantasy baseball content that we drop. It's gone, dropped an episode this morning. The great Britton Allen is at it again. He dropped one. His guest was Richard Sands. You guys can find him on Twitter. Or you can find all of it, really, at Ethos Fantasy BB. You guys need to be checking out that page. I've been saying it the whole offseason, driving you guys freaking crazy. But at the same time, it was for a good reason because there's so much great content to be had there as well. Now, let's take a look before I let you guys go how this poll is doing. The Grayson Rodriguez-Carlos Rodon poll, it is currently 55% Carlos Rodon, 45% Grayson Rodriguez. 
And somebody commented, this can't be serious. Rodon has really fallen from grace since the injury, huh? Well, yeah, it is a serious question. And almost half the people are saying they would take Grayson Rodriguez. So I guess it is... It does show like how far he does he has fallen. It is definitely true that Grayson Rodriguez is one of the massive risers in ADP. Rodon is going to be one of the massive fallers, and those are kind of always interesting uh, little polls to shoot out there. But I think at this point I might take Grayson. It's it's tricky. It's not a cut and dry answer at this point. You could go either way with it. I'm interested to see where the poll ends up going. Go ahead and chime in on the Twitter poll. Let me know what you guys are thinking there. But we will see you again tomorrow. We'll tackle SPs 36 through 50, and we will wrap it up on Friday looking at the back end of the 51 through 100, essentially. We'll be a lot more concise there. We'll talk more in terms of tiers and groupings as opposed to individual players. But, guys, thank you for putting up with my ramblings. We will see you again tomorrow. Until then, take care. Have a great night, and cheers, everybody. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.